I'm Dave Hill. I was born and raised in America, but my grandfather, Clarence Vincent Blake Sr., was from Canada. Clinton, Ontario, to be exact. And when I was a kid growing up on the mean streets of suburban Cleveland, Ohio, my grandfather would thrill and amaze me and my siblings with tales of his mysterious and magical homeland located just across majestic Lake Erie. My grandfather's been up in that big hockey arena in the sky for over 30 years now, so I figured it was time I finally learned more about his country, which is why I started this podcast on which I try to learn more about Canada, one Canadian at a time. This is So You're Canadian. Hello, today I come to you once again from sunny, actually not very sunny at all, New York City, uh, where my sweet dog Lucy has just had her stitches removed and she's back in action, farting up a storm, playing ball, all the things you've come to expect from her, drinking water, you name it. Uh, Anyway, I'm very excited uh, about my guest today. He is Brent Butt, a hilarious and legendary Canadian comedian, actor, writer, and so much more, and uh, perhaps most exciting of, it all, of all, a native Saskatchewan. Uh, you know Brent, of course, from uh, the show Corner Gas, Hiccups, and uh, so many more. So many, why, so many more? What, that's not even a sentence, Dave. What's going on with you? Um, anyway, we get into all sorts of... Uh, magical uh, Canadian talk. Uh, we talk a little bit about show business, but mostly about Canada. And it goes a little something like this. I hope you enjoy my delightful and seriously Canadian conversation with Brent Butt. Oh, hello? Oh. What? I, yeah. lost your first I made time. an I made an adjustment and something went away. So I'm oh. apologizing in advance because if you hear any power tools, because my neighbor is across the alley is building a house and there's no way to quietly build a house. Oh, that's okay. I'm I am on my end. There's probably inevitable dog sounds and various other sounds. My so. wife and I are uh, fans of you know, Joe Franklin, by the way. The dog or the talk I show have host. Dog. Oh, dog. oh, oh! Thank you. I follow. Thank you so uh, much. I follow on Instagram and get to see him a lot. We we are also dog people. We have a. I have a big dog named Oliver. Oh, what kind of what kind of dog? Don't know. He's just a big uh, mutt of some kind mix. We think he's Lab, Irish Wolfhound, and uh, Shepherd of some kind, maybe. Oh, that's a that's a good mix. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I'll I'll make it official. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. So you're Canadian. Um, I fit the bill. You you do. It checks out, and I'm a, I'm very excited uh, to have you on the show because I'm a fan. Uh, oh, thank you. And then adding to that, in my tireless research, um, you are a Saskatchewan native, which is always exciting. It is. I've never heard it described as that before, but you know, now that I think about it, it is always exciting. Well, it's the most, uh, 
I, you know, I, I think it's the most mysterious province of, uh, it, unless you count, you know, the territory, the, you know, places yeah. like Nunavut and things like that, which, which most Americans probably haven't even heard of. But in terms of... Only, only when they see uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby going somewhere to the, the Yukon or some exotic film from the 40s, right? That's yeah, the yeah, exactly. But my, I, uh, my friend, com- uh, fellow comedian Joel Walmsley, used to say Saskatchewan is the Canada of Canada. I always thought that was a pretty good summation. I think that's, I think that's perfect. It, well, it's it's such a. Uh, I've yet to, I've been to Saskatchewan, not to brag. But yeah, I'm, I'll do it anyway. What were you doing there? For I, I I went. Th- I wish I went there to research my book. Oh, um, that's right. So I went there because uh, growing up in uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, I was a big hockey fan and, and I had heard of Moose Jaw because that's where Clark Gillies is from. All right. So big Clark Gillies. Yeah. So I was I thought that that of all the Canadian towns, that was maybe the coolest sounding town. Yeah, it does sound weirdly exotic, like when something gets. Um, if something is unexotic enough, it becomes very exotic. Yeah, it goes. It, it's like something becomes is so lowbrow that it becomes highbrow. Exactly. It just goes around to the other side. Um, but uh, so my whole life, I always wanted to go to Moose Jaw specifically and Saskatchewan generally. And that's uh, cool. That you, got to, you got to make that happen then. I did. Yeah, and I went to Regina. Uh, which was another thrill altogether. <laughs> yeah, they're very culturally; they couldn't be farther apart. Oh, yeah, they're. Uh, you, you, yeah, you know, what is it? An hour and a half. Yeah. In the car, but uh, you feel like you've been. Yeah, you got tele- teleported to another dimension. Now Tisdale, though, where is that in relation to? Uh, I'm trying. Well, that's to what they they here. call they call it the the northeast. Um, but really, it, that means it's in the northeast quadrant of the southern half of the province. Because um, if you if you dissect the province of Saskatchewan in half, and many uh, Canadian provinces are this way, there's very little population in the northern half, right? There's about 13 people living north of the tree line in Saskatchewan. So uh, even though Tisdale is in technically the southern half of the province, it's considered the northeast. So um, it would be from Regina. It's about three hours north and a bit east. Oh, yeah. I'm looking I'm looking on the map now. And it's the hub of the Carrot River Valley. It used to have a very controversial uh, town motto. I don't know if you saw in your research the town motto up until I think last year or maybe two years ago. From the 1960s onward, the town motto was the land of rape and honey. Because oh, here they, it is. They yeah. grew a lot of rapeseed. And there was a lot of apiaries there and honey manufacturing plant. That's where my father worked my whole life, actually. He, he ran the, the boiler room and the honey plant in my hometown. So it was the land oh, of rape wow. and honey. And then they decided I'm a couple of years that. ago, this should be this should probably be changed. How could it possibly have taken that long to... Well, for, well. Ye- for many, many years, people were, you know, saying we should change this. But the... It was. It provided so much attention. You know, the notion that there's no bad publicity. It was like, oh. hey, we're getting a lot of attention. 
Yeah, and I so, mean, just the pig. I mean, I imagine that now entering Tisdale, land of rape and honey, that would, yeah. that would, that would, I, that would get me to pull the car over for. A, You're like, uh, I know what, on. I know what one is, but what the hell do they do with the honey? That was always, <laughs> that was always my joke. <laughs> the land of her. It just sounds, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. And my favorite sign in my hometown growing up, because um, uh, I have a lot of, you know, I come from a big family and there's lots of cousins and stuff. So uh, the last name Butt was like Smith in my hometown. And, oh, um, really? So, so people didn't think anything of it. You know, it wasn't until I started traveling, playing hockey and had my name on the back of my sweater that I would hear people yell stuff. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't mean that. But growing up, it was very normal. And so my cousin had a jewelry store in my hometown and it was my favorite sign of all time. It was said, but jewelry. And so oh, if, wow. you're, if you're cruising through town and you don't know there's a family named, but and you just see that sign. But, but yeah. But Julie's jewelry swing by after hours. Yeah. I'm guessing the hell do you need that for? Wow. It, it just based on those two things alone, it sounds like a real anything goes type town. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, um, and then this is now I'm now I'm, and this is in keeping with the, my uh, the last couple episodes I've talked to people in Alberta where there's all sorts of very large uh, statues and Tisdale is apparently home of the world's largest honeybee. Yeah, yeah, um, half half it was either that or the rape part, and you didn't want to have a giant statue of that, you know. So they, they went honeybee. <laughs> but I'm pulling it up here. World's, oh, I forgot the keyword, statue. Um, there it is. Oh, wait. But it's, uh, then, there's all these distinctions, though. In Felher, Alberta, if I'm saying that right, they claim to have a larger honeybee. I don't know if you've heard about this. I have heard. Yeah, it's quite the it's quite the scandal. It's quite the controversy. But yeah, uh, that's the th I've never understood this. When you build the world's biggest something, do you not research ahead of time to see? Okay, how big does this have to be? Are there any other large bees out there? Well, we, on, on the TV show that I did, Corner Gas, we did a whole yeah, episode dedicated. Great. We dedicated a whole episode to it. It's called The World's Biggest Thing. And the whole idea is that the town that my show takes place in, Dog River, is trying to create the world's biggest thing to become as a tourist attraction. So, yeah, it's a very big yeah. thing in the prairies. Yeah, that's what I've learned in the last few episodes. Um, I'm all for it. You know, yeah, why not? Right? A, there's a, a really large pierogi yeah. in Alberta. There's a. Uh, Where's that? Beggarville? I believe so. Um, and there's a very large sausage. There's a large Easter egg. Yeah. But uh. But yeah, I don't. I'm. Um. But Home then of the world's largest sausage. See, you yeah. Can put that you could silk screen that on the front of a pair of underwear, and you got yourself a hit. You're selling, <laughs> you're selling that by the trainload. Yeah, that that's that might be better than the land of rape and honey. Yeah. Um. Gosh, but there must be merchandise uh, with with that on. I, well, now I'm reading here. I'm sorry to get so caught up in this stuff. Oh, that's all right. right you could have done your research ahead of time before. The... No, I like it to be real in the moment. Yeah, it's organic um, this way. Um, 
Well, I did. I did my my. I knew that you were from Tisdale, but I hadn't researched uh, the town itself. And now that, that in and of itself is impressive. Yeah. Well. Uh, but yeah, I thought it sounded familiar. And yeah, of course, I'm seeing that the band Ministry had an album called The Land of Rape and Honey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they they drove through town apparently and saw that and thought it was awesome and hilarious. Which and they weren't wrong. But and the new motto is opportunity grows here. Which, uh, not nearly as fun in my estimation. No. I had suggested, I because being a, you know, an alumni, is that what you call it? The guy who lived there? A former resident. Sure. A native of the town. When this was all going down, when they were going to change the town motto, I had suggested, home of the pointless fistfight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd experienced that a couple times in my brief uh, 20 years there. That's pretty. That's pretty good. What, now, what sort? What, what were those uh, sort of alcohol fueled? Uh, like, in a well, bar they were, yeah. or just anywhere. Yeah, they were always at a you know a gravel pit party or something. Mm-hmm. That's where we used to uh, party as teenagers in high school. You know, you'd go out to one of the gravel pits, and uh, you start a hell of a big bonfire, and everybody get drunk, and uh, inevitably, people would start getting a little rammy, a little pushy. Sure. You know, a bunch of fueled up uh, 18-year-olds. Yeah, and then uh, a couple of fistfights would break out. It starts. Now, was this, a, was Tisdale, because I'm from uh, University Heights, Ohio, not to brag. Arguably the, the Tisdale of northeastern Ohio. And uh, it was the kind of town where you could drive around, and the surrounding towns. You could, if you stared at someone long enough, they would give you the finger. Yeah, and then um, it's go, then it's go time, right? Yeah, then it's go time. So my, What's the my population of University Heights. Probably a few thousand. I now I've got now I'll, I'll Google that. I'm just giving I mean, you more wasn't, stuff. What's that? I'm just giving you more stuff to research. I know this is. Uh, I, I, well, I'm not going to hide that. I think the listeners can hear my. Let's see, population. Here we go. 13,000. Yeah, so in Saskatchewan, that would be uh, considered a city. That's three times, almost three times the size you need to be to be classified as a city. In Saskatchewan, if you have a population of 5,000, you're a city. Tisdale, my hometown, is about 3,000. And then yep. we were, po- we were uh, uh, circled. Uh, around the Tisdale, you'd find all these little towns of about four or five hundred people. You know, you have Sylvania and Eldersley and Crooked River and uh, Burkdale and all the Archerwill, all those kind of. And they would come into Tisdale like to buy their groceries or whatever. And they most of these little towns would have some form of elementary school. But then once it came to high school, uh, you you had to be bused into Tisdale. So every year there would be a new influx of outsiders teenagers coming to town to high school and i learned in my discussions with some some of those um, farm boys that were sent in they were they were all intimidated and scared of us because we were like from tisdale the big town you know we were like city boys to them yeah and we we were all scared of them because they they were like brutes who grew up throwing hay bales and (laughs) And we're t- <laughs> 10 times more powerful than any of us, right? So there was always this kind of mutual, uh, unbeknownst to each other, we were posing because we were both afraid of each other. And then uh, then would the, would the fist fly eventually, though? 
Yeah, but you know, actually, it it, it wasn't. The fistfights were rarely between like the townies like me and the uh, the farm boys. It was that was pretty rare. But it was usually like it was so arbitrary too. Like you'd see two guys just beat the hell out of each other, like fracturing cheekbones and orbital bones, you know. And then you'd see them driving around in the pickup truck the next day, all buddy buddy, like black. Yeah. Guy. Sorry about that last night. What I think that's there's something to that though. I I. I've never really been in a fight myself. You'd never know it to look at me. Uh, Elisa, off the ice. On on the ice. That's I, your job. You got a job to do. Yeah. I was a goon in, of the men's league. But uh, Did you but, ever hear uh, the, the hockey song by Warren Zevon? I think I have, but I can't think of it right. right. It's, all about, it's all about a goon who like spent his whole career in the NHL just as an enforcer and he always wanted to score one goal it's a really uh cool song just kind of i was going to say off topic but i guess it's kind of on topic oh it's and there's nothing as long as it's even vaguely canadian it's on topic for this show <laughs> well to me it's all it touched my heart because they uh he he says saskatoon in it which is anytime saskatchewan was ever referenced in pop culture was so as a kid, you get so excited because you never heard your your uh, province mentioned anywhere. And I remember one time on uh, on uh, uh, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck said it one time. He said Saskatchewan, and it oh, was wow. like so exciting to me that Daffy just... Duck had heard of where I live. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't get better than that as a kid. Yeah, that's very, very exciting. I ran out and told my mom. <laughs> and now let's take a quick break to check in with our friends over at Maximum Fun. Go to MaximumFun.org uh, for more information on them and the hot times they're providing. Hey, Jake Keith. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things Jay Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. We are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McRoys as they return to Dungeons and Dragons with the Adventure Zone Graduation every other Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever podcasts are found. And now back to my delightful 
and seriously Canadian conversation with Brent Butt. I'm surprised there's no NHL team in Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's the highest. There's more NHL players per capita from Saskatchewan than any other province or state. It's, um, you know, many of your hockey greats come from Saskatchewan. And it's a, it just doesn't have, you know, there's, there's in the whole province, which is, you know, bigger than Texas, there's, there's less than a million people or just right around a million people. And so there's no, like the two big cities there, Saskatoon and Regina, have, um, you know, less than 200,000 people. And they're three hours apart. So there's no way to, you don't have a population base that could support um, an 82-game or a 41-game home season. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But it's just, I would like to see it. For the jersey, you know, the jerseys alone would be amazing. Yeah, and I often, I I wonder what the team name would be. There was an effort in the um, 80s um, to, to buy the St. Louis blues were up for sale and there was a local Saskatchewan business tycoon who was trying to, uh, get a bunch of people together to, to buy, uh, the St. Louis blues and move them to Saskatoon. Um, but it was quashed by the league apparently because, you know, the, really the logistics of it, it doesn't make sense. Apparently. I, I'm still, I'm still, re- if there can be a team in Columbus, Ohio, which enrages me as a <laughs> as a Cleveland native. <laughs> yeah, what about the Barons? You should get the Barons back going. I would love that. Or the Crusaders. Yeah, be amazing. Well, now, so now you're in uh, you're in Vancouver. Is that right? Yeah, I've lived here for about twenty. Well, I've lived here since ninety three. So whatever that is, twenty seven years. Next month it'll be twenty seven years. Oh wow! And you with it? You were, you were. Were you in Toronto in between there? Then yeah. yeah. So when I started doing, I started doing stand up in Saskatchewan at a club mm-hmm. in Saskatoon, amateur night. Moved briefly from there to Calgary because that was kind of the, you know, the center of Western Canadian comedy booking. I was there for about five months, maybe in Calgary, and then moved to Toronto, and. Kind of that's where I, you know, dove in with both feet and fully just pursued stand up. And I was there for maybe five years, almost five years. Mm-hmm. And I, I moved from Toronto to LA with the notion of, you know, pursuing show business big time down there in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I to do it upright. I didn't have um, the proper paperwork to stay there and work legally. And I wanted to do everything all legally. So I came back to Canada to the with the notion being i'll i'll get my paperwork and pursue it down there um but i came to vancouver because i had a whole bunch of stand-up work lined up here i had about two months of bookings through van through british columbia vancouver and Kelowna and victoria and all this so i thought you know what uh, vancouver seems like a beautiful city i'd never spend any time there i'd, I'd always fly in and play a club and then fly out mm-hmm. and it looked nice from the plane and I thought, I never spend any time here. And I have a couple buddies who live here. I'm just going to spend a couple of months hanging out in Vancouver and enjoying the city and then figure out what to do. And I just never left. I fell in love with the city. And then I got a, um, there was a comedy manager in LA who uh, referred me to, like this producer here in Vancouver was asking him about comedy people for a show. And he said, well, this really funny guy just landed in your yard. His name is Brent Buck. Look him up. 
And that producer and I started working together and, you know, I just, I just stayed really busy doing stand up in Canada and the odd TV bit of writing, producing. That's where I learned how to produce and write TV. And so I just, I just love it here. Mm -hmm. So I, I never left. Yeah, it's, it's great there. I, I love it there as well. Uh, but there seems, and as a result, you, uh, you created, uh, one of the biggest Canadian comedy shows of all time. Yeah. Corner yeah, yes. Worked out pretty well. It's kind of like it was meant to be my time, you know, staying in Canada. Cause I, as, as a kid, one of the things that I always, you know, we're in Canada, we're really sandwiched between two cultural powerhouses. You know, we have our history with Britain and mm -hmm. you know, the way that they ruled the world for so long. And we were a dominion of this giant empire. And so much of how we live and what we do is based on this, uh, uh, our Britishness. And then yet we're right next door to the, the largest cultural exporting machine the world has ever seen, you know? And mm -hmm. so, so we, we've always been kind of this, you know, we've never had m much of our own showbiz out in the world. And I was as a little kid fascinated by show business, but you never, you didn't see much Canadian show business. And if I ever saw a Canadian comedy show, I was riveted to it because my notion was I want to do this one day and why can't you do it in Canada? Mm -hmm. and, and so there was always a part of me that I think, uh, the notion was, you know, one day I'll do a sitcom in Canada. And when I got the opportunity, you know, there were a lot of people that said, you know, you can't do a sitcom in Canada. It doesn't work out. There's, you know, there's too many things against you and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought, well, I don't see why you can't. I understand that it's a long shot. Mm -hmm. I don't see why it couldn't happen. And yeah, so, it were, you know, it, it was the first time that the number one comedy in Canada was actually from Canada. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, but there's there are so many great shows made, in, I mean, Corner Gas, and, you know, currently there's Letter Kenny, which I love, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, Trailer Park Boys, and Kids in the Hall, but, there, and there's also, like, seems to be, like, I can't really articulate it, but there seems to be a certain Canadian sensibility that I really, that maybe it's my, uh, my grandfather's Canadian blood, but somehow I real I love it. It uh, resonates somehow with you. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, and I, it's something I don't even notice. Like I, I was telling, uh, I'm single, I'm taking credit for single-handedly uh, turning people on to Letterkenny here. I don't it know works. if you've watched that at all, but sure. um, but uh, I was, I was talking to a friend about it, um, and he said, "Oh, it's so Canadian, though. I think there's no way there could be a show like that here." But I'm like, really? I mean, I understand it is, you know, they do talk about Canadian things and stereotypes and all that. But yeah, I that's one like of those things, like, because I I, ha I often had people say that about, they would say, Corner Gas is, um, it's such, it's so Canadian. And I would always say, what, what about it is Canadian? I mean, other than the fact that it takes place in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it that in there, cause I was always fascinated. I was fascinated by this notion of people saying, yeah, it's very, it's very Canadian, very Canadian sense of humor. And I always say, I don't know what that means because, you know, 
like uh, what is a Canadian sense of humor? Like the the kids in the hall, there's one thing, and if if you look at their sense of humor versus, you know, versus Letterkenny or versus Corner Gas or versus it's all, you know, the difference between John Candy and Russell Peters, you know, there's a pretty there's they're very different styles of comedy and humor. So I I never got like what what is the Canadian sense of humor? I think we're just kind of partly we're desperate to put a label on it. We're desperate somehow to hang a, and say, this is Canadian, you know, but it's all different to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that makes sense. I, yeah. Cause I, I don't, I always make sense, man. That's <laughs> you're breaking it down for me, room. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird. Like I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's some American thing also. Like, you know, they say, oh, oh yeah, that we, could, we could never work here. But, uh, you know, it's a, a similar thing with, I think, British comedy, you know, where you have a sh- the shows there seem, you know, I love shows from there as well. But like there's, you know, the same thing people say, oh, it could never work here in America. Yeah, and yet, if you look at like a lot of the top American shows, they were just lifted from British shows, right? Like yeah. All in the Family was based on a British show. Sanford and Son was based on a British show. Um, uh, Three's Company is based on a British show, Man About the House. So, it, it, yeah, it doesn't hold any water when you hear people say that. Yeah, I think it's just an excuse to uh, to deny me a meeting. No, I don't. Yeah, that's really what it is. I get that a lot too. No, that'll never. Geez, I'd love to do that, but I, I won't work here. Yeah, my anyway, gotta go. Click. <laughs> um, and 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 what what? Yeah, it's. I don't know. I wish I could actually put my finger on it. What it was. Well, that's one yeah. of the things about Canada. It's so nebulous. It's it's we're ethereal and nebulous, and nobody can put their finger on it. And what is Canada? I don't know. It's cold and sparse. That's beyond that, you can't put your finger on. Partly because we're a very young country. I yeah. Mean, even compared to the states, never mind compared to you know England or Rome or something. Uh, you know, we have a very young national history. Yeah, it's it's I I feel uh, really ignorant because I I didn't and until I started writing my book i didn't realize how what a young country uh canada is yeah it's 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 ridiculously young um it was founded in 1997 (laughs) yeah it was uh, hot on the heels of friends we decided let's (laughs) get a bunch of people together and make a country yeah no it's like you know 1870 or 1867 is our that's when we officially became a nation we were a dominion of uh england before that or a not a a territory of england Mm -hmm. england and france were always fighting over who owned us yeah and uh and and but do you think that's just something i thought was interesting like how like canada became a country without uh you know not as much bloodshed as down here, how the way we did it. Yeah. Do you think Do you think that contributes to the the difference between Americans and Canadians, or am I talking out my butt? No pun intended. I didn't intend to. I didn't intend to do that. Right. No, there. Yeah, that, that's all right. That that it happens organically all the time. Um. 
yeah i don't i i don't know if it um if it kind of contributes to the difference between canada and the states or just sort of highlights the difference between canada and the states but yeah it's a you know our our you know our kind of national heroes you know are are people who like famous for their diplomacy that kind of thing right like mm-hmm. lester b pearson and uh, you know Dag Hammarskjöld, these people who their their contri- contribution, their Canadian contribution on the world stage, really involved uh, some savvy paperwork, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and negotiating a reasonable middle ground between uh, <laughs> warring factions. That's kind of, that's our contribution to the world. So we're we're kind of like the guy at the at the house party who steps in and goes, "Hey, whoa, whoa, you guys, you've been friends too long. Come on, let's talk about this tomorrow." <laughs> That's Canada's international contribution. But when push comes to shove, I mean, I'm always kind of proud of the fact that we, um, for a small country, when we've had to step up and, and battle in war, have always, you know, we're historically, if you look, you look at history, we've always been able to accomplish things that people would think, well, there's no way this small group of Canadians could do that. And then they would just go in and, you know, take over a, a hornet's nest of Nazis. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus, 11 guys from Manitoba just just uh, took Berlin, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with 11 guys from Manitoba. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's always... Have you ever seen the movie The Devil Devil's Brigade? It's based on a true story. It's kind of cool. There was this ragtag bunch of um, American soldiers who were kind of um, prisoners or military uh, 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 prisoners who had been conscripted to fight in the military or whatever. And they were all like, you know, rugged individualists. And they were like, they did they don't play well with others kind of guys. And to hell with your rules kind of guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. military said, what we need to do is we need to team these uh, bunch of hoodlums up with a band of Canadians because it's, it's said in the movie, you know, they're regarded as the top soldiers in the world. And so you had this, it, and it's based on a true story where this happened and they called them the Devil's Brigade because they kind of influenced each other. The The Canadian soldiers instilled you know discipline and and how to do things properly into this american bunch and the american bunch instilled some kind of rugged individualism in the group and they became this fighting force that kept they would call them the devil's brigade because they would always send them on these suicide missions because it was a bunch of prisoners and some canadians who the hell cares right to send them (laughs) up and uh you know send them up in this hill they'll get massacred but they'll be a distraction for a while while we can do the real stuff and then they'd get word back and go yeah they took that hill they they have it now and they'd be like what the hell really (laughs) oh they they, they figured they would all get killed yeah, so they'd send them on a, a different suicide mission, and then, but it wouldn't be they would end up taking the damn thing, and so uh, uh, they became known as the Devils Brigade. It's a cool movie. Yeah, I'm I'm looking it up now. I'm doing my my uh, on the go research here. Yeah, it looks and the poster's great too. Spit polish, the Devils Brigade. Now now now, what they did to each other was nothing compared what they did to the enemy. <laughs> that's a great byline. I never heard that before. That's yeah, great... the poster's real. I mean, I might have to go to uh, eBay after this. Maybe I'll get you. I'll get us both one. I should you see know? the movie. I should see the movie first before I. I shouldn't <laughs> go straight to the, the merchandise. 
Well, you know, I feel I feel confident in sending it right to the merchandise. It's a quality movie. <laughs> now, um, you you mentioned well, I guess this is most Canadians, but you grew up playing hockey. I feel I did. Yeah, I played the hockey from about, from about the age of seven till fifteen or so. Yeah, fifteen because I had to kind of make the decision. I got offered a really good paying union job. Or, but it would require I couldn't continue playing hockey on the road. Oh, I, you got I, offered I knew, a union job at 15? Yeah, they thought I was 16. You're supposed to not, you couldn't join the union until you're 16. But I was close to 16, so I just worked uh, as not a member of the union for a few weeks until I was 16, and then I signed on. But yeah, it was, it was a, just in a grocery store, but it was, you know, the UFCW union, and it paid good money. And I knew... My future did not lie in hockey, you know. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't like, boy, this is a tough decision. I knew is, I wasn't playing in the NHL. Yeah, that's is that a sad realization for a, a, a Canadian? I know it was for me as a Clevelander. Maybe for you know, not for me. I I knew very early on, <laughs> like yeah, you I, can't. I was a goalie, and I was not particularly good. I knew I was not on anybody's radar. This is not so. It was an easy decision for me. Yeah, I think I knew it about twelve. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, right around. Still, it was uh, it was hard to admit to myself. I remember playing against Wendell Clark, who you know went on to become a, a superstar with the Leafs, mm-hmm. and um, we're the same age. And we played against each other one time, and he scored ten goals on me in the game, and that really oh, wow. cemented the notion of oh, there's different levels to this. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I, I realized, I said, I'm not even, I'm not even the best on my team in <laughs> yeah. Cleveland. I'm not even the best on my line. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the third line. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're a big Canucks fan, you mentioned to me when we were uh, messaging. Yeah, I, um, I didn't grow up as a Canucks fan. Um, because we didn't get a lot of Canucks games on TV. Like I had two TV channels growing up. We, my only exposure to hockey was hockey night in Canada. So the vast, vast majority of the games that we got to watch involved the Toronto Maple Leafs or Montreal Canadiens, whoever those teams were playing, that's who we were watching. Um, so I didn't see a lot of Canucks growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of became intrigued with them when they took a run to the cup in the eighties, fell short. With those sweet uh, Islands. those sweet jerseys, yeah. Was that the eighties? That would have been when they had the the, the flying the, bees. Oh yeah, underrated. And then when I, when I moved to Vancouver in ninety three, I came here in February of ninety three. Uh, and the ninety three ninety four season was when the Canucks took another run at the cup. So the, I I'd moved to the city, you know, just before the whole city got swept up in Stanley Cup fever. Oh, my God, we're taking a run to the Cup. And, and that went to seven games. It was incredibly exciting that year. And so from from that point on, I was really on board the the Canucks. And I remember I remember very plainly, because I'd grown up kind of a um, Toronto Maple Leafs fan, because that's the team we watched the most. And I, 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 was always, I always had a soft spot for left-handed goalies, and they had a goalie named Mike Palmentier, who was a, left, a lefty. And so I kind of had a soft spot for the Leafs. And I remember being on the road. I was in Kelowna, B.C., in my hotel room, 
waiting for the show to start, and I was watching Hockey Night in Canada. It was Toronto versus Vancouver. Vancouver scored, and I cheered, and that's the first time I'd ever cheered when Toronto got scored against. And I was like, oh, well, that that makes it official. Oh, wow. Did, it was did a you, puzzling moment. And I was like, oh, that's never happened before. Did you scare yourself? No, but it was, was like, <laughs> I noticed it. It was weird. It was uh-huh. like, oh. You're like, what was that? I'm, I'm fully a Canucks fan now. And then over the years, I've I've become um, I do a lot of things with the team, with the Canucks, like fundraising events, and I host uh, you know big dinners and fundraising things that they do, and and so I I've become fully ensconced. I'm I'm a complete Canucks fan. I'm I'm sort of like I'm doing a little soul searching right now for a team because uh, I've I've always said I'm just a lover of the game being from Cleveland and you know, being, you know, we don't really have, can't, I've never been able to hold on to a team. Uh, and I live in New York, so I guess I'm a Rangers fan, but what I saw, I can't remember if I was telling you this, but I saw the Canucks. I like how at, you, at you make it a double, you make it a double O sound. I like that. The Canucks. Oh, did I do I say it like that? Uh, wait, kind I'm of. gonna stick with it. However, I say it. <laughs> um, but I was I was I was at the is it Rogers Center? Yeah, I was there. I went alone, um, which I don't recommend. See, but, that's funny because I went to I, I went to Madison Square Garden to see the Canucks play, and I was by myself. I happened to be down there in other business, and it just ter- turned out that they were going to be in town playing. Oh wow! And so I, I went to Madison Square Garden by myself. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed it well enough. And then they, <laughs> um, but it is that's always better with friends. But I was and it was sparsely attended, so I had about ten rows to myself. So it looks particularly sad. Ten seats to myself. I was just sitting there, and then they featured me on the. Uh, the Canadian broadcast showed me there and was like, here's a Brett Butt, the creator of Corner Gas. And I was like, I'm going to head down on my phone like a total <laughs> Oh, you didn't wave up at the... Uh... I didn't know they were going to be showing me. Oh, because they didn't put you on the uh, Jumbotron. No, it was just on like the Canadian TV broadcast of the game. Oh. Still, that's pretty cool. Would have been if I looked all, you know, like I was <laughs> into the game, but it was... <laughs> Well, I, w- I was uh, when I when I saw that I saw Vancouver play the Red Wings, and I started having this feeling. I thought maybe this because I was always my whole life fascinated when it, when someone would root for a team, and you know, would have friends who they liked, you know, the Seahawks or whatever in football or something, and I couldn't understand how you could just start liking a team from a city that you didn't live in or had had no connection to. And then when I was sitting there watching the Canucks, I thought, maybe this is my team. Yeah, get on board, man. Maybe, I'm all, I'm, you know. And it has that exotic notion of like from New York City, you're cheering for the Canucks and people it'd be people are like, wow, why why? Yeah. What is mysterious? Know that, what does he know that we don't know? Yeah, how to pronounce the team name? That for one, that's one thing he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, but I'm <laughs> I'm sticking with it. I like if I like that you you should become like a super fan, but you still don't quite say the name of the team right. <laughs> I like the notion how, of that. Wait, I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a 
totally on board the Canucks. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I'm trying to say Canucks, but I think it comes out Canucks. It's like uh, it rhymes with puck. Canuck. Canucks. Yeah, I just think rhyme, I, just rhyme it with puck. I'm I'm trying to say that, but I think my uh, my my deep Cleveland accent. Yeah, you're you're rich, rich Cleveland. (laughs) Canucks. Um, anyway, well, I'm I'm gonna give some thought to it. I'm I, I think. uh, Yeah, it's like knucks, knuckleheads. They call the fans a lot of the, the knuckleheads, knuckleheads. And there's you know the the very consistently great jerseys. Yeah, even though they can't settle on a, <laughs> they can't settle on a jersey. Like I, that's one of the things that frustrates me about it. I was like, yeah, just pick a logo amazing. already, for God's sakes. Yeah, there's three different logos in play at the moment by my uh, calculation. Four, really, because you had the original logo was the the stick and rink logo that they called it. Pretty good. And you, they got the flying V jerseys. Do they still use those? No. And then they and then they uh, they went from the flying V to the uh, sk- the flying skate logo, where it kind of looked like the word Canucks was written in the skate. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good one. And then um, the C, that's kind of a killer whale, the Orca logo. That one makes no sense to me. Yeah, it was really it became uh, the Canucks for a while were owned by a corporation called Orca Bay management oh and they, i think and they were like well west coast you know they, we have a lot of uh, orcas killer whales here so we'll turn the logo and it's, yeah it, i think it's kind of i personally i want them to go back to the uh, stick and rink logo the original stick and rink logo but i think i'm in the minority here everybody wants that flying skate logo again that's pretty good but i think the v like that just seems like i think if, if i were that would be terrifying, I would think. If, if <laughs> yeah. the opponent comes out with those Vs. But to me, it just looked like it was the logo for Vashon Cakes. It looked like a big oh. uh, cupcake coming <laughs> coming at you. You raise Ew. a good point. I guess any pro team would be terrifying to me, though, given my, uh, you know, my lack of skills. Yeah, and there, I mean, just the toughness, too. The, the Pro hockey players seem to just have a completely different level of toughness. Like, when, when you've received an injury that makes you leave the game, they, they, they don't have a good sense of that, you know? Like, they'll get a few teeth busted out. And yeah. they'll, go, they'll go to the dressing room, get toweled off, basically, and come back out, you know? Any, yeah, any other sport, that would be grounds for retirement. Yeah, like fully, like have their face stitched up and everything. And they're like, okay, so I'm going to miss a couple of shifts. And the coach is pissed off at them. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, Shut <some> heart. <laughs> I'm amazed that with NHL players, there's no one in the NHL that grew up playing without a face mask. And yet... Yeah. Once they get to a certain level, they get rid of the mask, which I, I think would be daunting, but. Uh, makes sense to me, that's for sure. Like, at the, once you get to the point where people are bigger, stronger, everything's faster, and the puck is moving at a speed that's greater than you've ever had before, now take the cage off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. Very counterintuitive. But it just goes to, it's kind of a, and this happens a lot in life, it's a mix of, toughness 
combined with terrible decision making. Yeah, together at last. <laughs> yeah, historically, most of the world's biggest problems were caused by that equation right there. <laughs> um, well, Brent, I've I've kept you for for quite a while now. I should probably let you go in this in a second or two here, but I wanted to ask you some very broad, perhaps unanswerable questions. All right. Before if anybody I, can not answer these, it's me. Well, I'll barely be able to ask them. They're that broad. But what what is the what would you say is the best part about living in Canada? You're you're under the radar a little bit. As much as we as Canadians um kind of wish that people would or we you know, we act like, oh well nobody knows who we are, nobody pays attention to us. There's also that part of us that's like eh, good. You know, <laughs> we're not on anybody's radar. That's not necessarily a bad thing, especially when it comes to, um, you know, uh, the the international world stage where things can get pretty hairy and ugly. And, um, you know, we're, we're not a target as often as other countries might be. Mm-hmm. And, and what would you what would you say is the worst thing about living in Canada? The, uh, the winter months. Absolutely. There's no getting around it. It is, um, and I'm, I'm in the warmest climate in Canada, like Vancouver, it rarely dips below zero. Like, you know, we'll have maybe over the course of the, the entire winter, we'll have maybe 10 days that are below zero and it's barely below zero. But you know, like where I grew up in Saskatchewan and in a lot of, a lot of places in Canada, you know, it's just that ignorant ass biting cold like that minus 42 yeah you know, why I, as a kid i did it i didn't make i didn't understand why we lived there yeah it is i mean i got complaints um once i started this podcast for mentioning how cold it is uh so often but it is it's stunningly cold <laughs> yeah it can be stunningly cold i think we just have we kind of have a bee in our bonnet about it because it's you know, it's like that one thing that we're known for. So we start getting tired of people saying it. Yeah. That's all it is. But I mean, there's no, you're not lying. If you say a lot of the months in Canada are ass biting cold, um, you're not lying. You're not wrong. <laughs> and, and what would you, uh, I guess you could answer this about, uh, about British Columbia or, but maybe you'd rather answer about, uh, Saskatchewan. What, what is the, dis- uh, maybe we'll uh, Saskatchewan if you can answer. What is what makes Saskatchewan different from the rest of Canada? Um, you know, Canada in general is a pretty sparse country in terms of population base. Kevin Rooney always said there, it was a pie crust of people huddled at the bottom of the nation, you know, trying huddling up <laughs> to eat the U.S. for warmth. Um, <laughs> so it's it's pretty sparse, but Saskatchewan. In particular, there's a real sense of, I mean, you know, there's like one person for every six square kilometers and there's this horizon that you don't see anywhere else in the world, I think, where it just looks like, you know, God almighty took a ruler and said, okay, that's where the sky will stop and that's where the land will start. And it's just a type of flat that you don't see in nature anywhere else, really. Um, And so... There's this sense of openness, you know, and I grew up in the west side of my town where the sun would set and there's 
there's nothing but horizon and the sun going down and it's just pink and orange for as far as your peripheral vision can go. And it's like just nothing else. It's like me and the sun. Uh huh. There's yeah, a sense of openness that you don't find anywhere else. Yeah, that makes, I feel like, yeah, I've experienced that. I remember thinking when I went to Moose Jaw with that, with, with the horizon, it almost felt like the town was dropped down from the sky. Like it was like a Hollywood movie set of a yeah. town. Just and especially like for that the, reason. where you were there, like Regina, you know, is, is, wasn't even built on a waterway. Like if you think about all the cities and towns that have sprouted up in North America, they all kind of start because there's water nearby, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's only, there's only two, um, cities in all of North America where that wasn't the case. I think Phoenix was one and, um, and Regina is the other where there was like, there wasn't even any water. So I was like, why here? You know, that <laughs> thing we need to survive. There's none of that. Should we build a house? <laughs> just settle here. Yeah, let's do it here. We'll, eh, we'll find some water. Relax. <laughs> Figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, Brent, for uh, taking the time to talk with me and, um, and hopefully I'll, I'll see you out there somewhere. Yeah. If you ever find yourself out out this way again, uh, give me a heads up. I'll take you to, I'll take you to a Canucks game and, uh, teach you how to say it properly. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll practice. And by the, by the third period, everyone will think I'm from there. People will be like, God damn, he sounds like he's from Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll take you up on that. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Brent. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. You too. Bye-bye. And there you have it, my delightful and seriously Canadian conversation with comedian, actor, writer, and native Saskatchewan Canucks fan. I'm just adding things as I go here at this point, Brent. But uh, for more information on Brent... Is, uh, and his plot for world domination and, and, and you can buy t-shirts too go to brentbutt.com uh, thank you so much for joining me for another scintillating episode of So You're Canadian with me, Dave Hill uh, before I go uh, have I begged you yet to buy my book Parking the Moose? I meant to it's all about my uh, travels through Canada I know I won't shut up about it. Once there are no more copies available for sale, then I'll shut up about it. Then, when that day comes, I'll shut up. Okay, moving on. Uh, I also want to thank my partner in crime, uh, the brains behind the operation, the producer, the one who makes, adds the action music and echoes uh, where appropriate, Mr. Chris Gersbeck. um, For uh, more information on Chris, uh, meet him in a dark alley. He's a a mysterious... No, uh... Anyway, uh, also, um, please check out our other podcast, Dave Hill's Podcasting Incident, that we do together, and History Fluffer, which has is, is, uh, been more occasional lately, but still alive and well. Um, I also want to thank our friends at Maximum Fun for having us be a part of their podcasting empire and uh, part of their, uh, their efforts to bring good times to the people all over the world. Go to MaximumFun.org find out more about them 
and their plot for world domination. I'm gonna take a sip of water. Why do that in the middle of while you're talking, Dave? That's unprofessional. <sighs> Unprofessionalism is my middle name. Um, anyway, what else did I wanna tell you? Okay, uh, thanks for, yeah, go there. Check them out, MaximumFun.org. Go to my website, Dave Hill Online, to find out more about me and when I'm coming to your town, things like that. Also, so your Canadian listeners, um, Chris and I, my my partner in crime, Chris Gersbeck, mentioned earlier, have been talking about how much longer should we do this. So you're Canadian, should we uh, should we wrap it up and get out of Dodge, or do you want to hear more episodes? Because We've been doing this for a few months. We know folks enjoy it because we get so many nice emails. But, uh, you know, and I still, I, I still, there are a few more guests I would love. There's a million more guests I'd love to have on the show. But we're wondering, um, have you had enough? Do you want more of this? Because uh, uh, we are spread a little thin here. And we're trying, we're basically uh, on our podcast list. We're going to have to kill one or two of them. And we're trying to figure out which ones. Do you want more so you're Canadian? If you do, and uh, please drop me a line at Dave at DaveHillOnline.com. Because uh, we don't hear from you. We just don't know. I guess we could go by the stats, which are pretty good. Um, anyway, I guess it's a desperate cry for attention, as was my point. Anyway, um, let us know your thoughts, whether you love the show, hate the show, uh, recommend some guests, all that sort of thing. Should this just keep going on and on, or should have you had enough? I don't know. Maybe I'm just insecure. It's Monday as I'm recording this. What's going on with you, Dave? Maybe this question for my therapist. I don't know. But we'll be back. I promise this is not the end of it. But uh, let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Dave at DaveHillOnline.com All right. We'll be back next week. Don't worry. This isn't a threat. I love you so much. Keep up the good work. Stay street. Stay hydrated. All right, then. Okay. Bye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.